And after that inspiration, you get a lay volunteer to come and give a little talk. Yikes. Good morning. My name is Ray Johnston, and I am the leader of our missions team here at Community Alliance Church. Uh, the missions team uh, would like and has the desire to promote and communicate missions to you in, in many different ways. Uh, one of the ways recently, as you will see in the lobby, the flags that are up, we hope that you've noticed that and appreciate the missions emphasis over the last few weeks. Uh, the Dominican Republic is one of several locations that Community Alliance Board of Elders and leadership have designated as a partnership for our church. Uh, the international workers that we meet and work with there are Bruce and Becky Dyke, Brad and Dorothy Wood, Zach and Julie Stutler, and Valerie Stelrick. I had the privilege of leading a short-term missions trip in uh, February there to work and to meet with several of these folks, and we had a great trip. The team of individuals, seven who have been on at least one trip before, and seven that this was their first trip, and some of them the first time out of the country, uh, left on uh, Friday, February 1st, and we've returned on Sunday, February 10th. Our return was later than we anticipated and planned for because of weather in New York and in Nor'easter. The delay caused a great deal of concern and some problems for members of our team and for families here in the States. But in God's plan, it also provided us a great opportunity to pray specifically about a very important meeting between the international workers, with the international workers, and the national church leaders in the DR. God answered prayers and issues were resolved. As partners with these friends, we were we were glad to have a specific time and, and felt that God blessed our extra day by using us in a way that we never planned for or intended. We once again helped in the construction project of a church building wall and Bible school program for up to 200 kids of the church and surrounding neighborhoods. I have not included pictures of the bricks and mortar, rather of the children, teens, and the adults we met. As we get to know some of these individuals, we never know what impact we will have on them or they on us. On Saturday, we visited a church in the central part of the city that several teams from our church worked on in the past, youth and adult. As I was standing there, a college-age kid named Romy came up to me and asked if one of the members of the team he saw getting off the bus was Nate Fowler. He had met Nate four years prior. He wanted to reconnect with Nate and thank him for coming back then and encourage him on his trip this time. On Sunday morning, we attended a worship service at the church we worked at. Actually, it was under a picnic-type shelter that a neighbor allowed the church to use for their worship services during construction and allowed us to use for our children's program. The worship time and the service there, as always, was one of the more talked-about experiences of the trip. After the service, we moved inside the shell of the church we were working on, and we met with many people the congregation to pray and talk about the, the uh, project there. So why do we make trips like this? Some members of the team shared that they've been there before and they didn't really think they would go back, but they had the opportunity to return this time. Others never really planned on making such a trip, but they, someone asked them to pray about it and they were able to go. Others have friends who've encouraged them at being on similar trips. And one person said they were supported by their family to go. It was a lifelong dream for them to go, so they just prayed, okay, Lord, it's scary, but here I am. In each case, the experience exceeded their expectations and had an impact on their lives. There are always hurdles. There are family issues, concerns about leaving family. Sometimes it's financial uh, problems, worrying about travel and travel outside of the United States, health issues for members on the team. But each year, God stretches the team, and each year, he is faithful to return. 
People find blessings in other team members. They find blessings from the international workers and from the friends that they meet along the way. This year, we asked some of our team members, what personal transformation have you experienced and or how are you different being on this trip? Matt Mahan shared, I learned to act when I see an opportunity to build relationships. I worship differently knowing that God's church is not a building, it's people. Amanda Shingleton said, I grew closer to God and was reminded of how many distractions are in my life. I built relationships with new members of the team. Betsy Guthrie said, I learned to trust God more and to live and work with others on the team. I learned to pray specifically for our partnerships and not in general terms. This trip was like spiritual sandpaper. It helped me to take off changes. We laid the last block project on Thursday afternoon. Pastor Wilson of the church joined two of our team to complete the wall we helped construct. The church there has continued to grow, and the building has continued to grow as well. And uh, the congregation was blessed through our congregation in providing monies to purchase a property. Over the past few weeks, you've heard about God's work in some of the countries that Community Alliance has partnered with. And later this spring, you will hear from Green Mountains. There are many opportunities to be involved in missions here at Community Alliance, but I would encourage you to consider taking a trip like this in the future. There are hundreds of pictures of our team working with people, working on the building, but I would consider ask you to consider being part of this picture next time, be part of the team. Talk to those who have been there, and they will encourage you, I'm sure, to take a trip like this. It is a great opportunity to be transformed by faith in Christ, to build relationships, and to be in service. What better way to be part of what Community Alliance leadership desires for our people? The dates for our next trip are already set, February 14th to the 22nd. Watch for more information and opportunities to sign up and learn more about that trip. Begin to pray about that trip. Begin to start saving so that you can uh, contribute to that trip. Be open to an invitation when somebody asks you and take a step of faith and be transformed. Thank you for praying for us while we were gone and for our extra day there and for travel mercies. Thank you for giving so others could go. And thank you for the uh, contributions to help with the purchase of the property. Your support had a great impact on many people. Glory to God for his work in and through us. I always enjoyed it when missionaries would come to the church and they would dress in their native garb. So I thought, what could I do talking about short-term missions other than to dress like we did every single day? Now, these clothes are clean. Um, not always the case come Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of a missions trip. Um, you do get dirty. You have to plan on getting dirty. And, uh, but uh, as I look back over 25 years of ministry, uh, the five mission trips that I went on stand out to me. The people that I met, uh, the people that I, I worked alongside of, uh, the people that I, I learned to love uh, living with them, uh, it, just phenomenal experience. I will never forget Bazil. Uh, Bazil was a, a man on my very first missions trip. Uh, to Burkina Faso, West Africa, uh, a man who just loved the Lord and loved to work. And he came every single day. He wasn't even a member of that church. He was a member of a different church. But when he heard that, that we were coming, he just came out and helped and, 
and uh, I will never forget Bazile. Or this trip, I will never forget Rami. Uh, Rami was a little pudgy kid about this tall and about this wide, and uh, just ornery. Um, we're pretty sure that he ran the town, um, because if we needed anything, Rami always went and found it and brought it to us. So uh, we didn't ask where he got it. We just <laughs> said thank you and, and went about our work. But uh, missions trips are by far uh, life-changing uh, events. Now, turn the house lights up. If you have been on a missions trip overseas, if you've been uh, either with this church or another church, uh, would you just stand right where you are? If you've been overseas on a missions trip, fantastic, fantastic. That's right. If you've never gone and you have excuses and reasons why, you need to talk to some of those people that stood up near you and said, why should I go? Why should I, why should I go? This morning we are kind of wrapping up a three-week missions emphasis, and this morning we, we want to really focus on go, in case you haven't gotten that yet, that that's where we're going this morning, to look at that word go, and, and what does it mean for me in my life when God says go? Throughout scriptures, and I want you to think about this throughout this morning, throughout scripture, God says go more than he says wait. God says go more than he says wait. The word go is, appears in the Bible 1,542 times. The word stay is in the Bible 62 times. Now, I know this is true. It has to be true. I read it on the internet, and they can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. <laughs> but even if the numbers aren't quite true, the difference in those numbers are astounding. That God always says, go. So if God says, go, more than he says, wait, the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, where am I going? If God's call on my life is to go, where am I going? Have you ever thought that your life needs to be a direct response to God saying, go? That when you get up in the morning, your steps out that door is in a direction of God saying, go. Your daily going needs to reflect God's calling, God's purpose. I want to walk through the, the scripture this morning and just look at a, a number of individuals who heard God say, go. And just kind of look at their story and their response. And then there's going to be a challenge with where we are to go. What are we supposed to do with that call to go? So the first one, they're in your bulletin, in your sermon notes. We want to look at this man, Noah. Now, Noah, if you know the story, Noah lived in a time of extreme wickedness. Uh, it was corrupt. It was a time filled with violence. In fact, it was the only time in Scripture that it's recorded that God was grieved that he even created man. That's how corrupt, that's how evil society had become. But in the midst of that dark society, there was one ray of hope, a man by the name of Noah. And Noah, we, we learned from, from singing the song in Sunday school as children that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor 
in the eyes of the Lord. That when, when the Lord looked upon Noah, he saw something good that he had created. And so he, he appears to Noah, or he speaks to Noah, and he reveals to him a little bit about what he wants to do. That it has grieved him to the point of he's just going to destroy everything on the earth. And he says, but Noah, I, I want you to do something. I want you to build a boat. I want you to build an ark. And he, he, gives, he gives him the exact dimensions and all of the, the specific directions for building this ark. He said, because I'm going to save the world through you and your family. And in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, we read that, that God commanded Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family. That now's the time. You've built the ark, and now it's time to go. It's time to move. I am going to act, and I need you to follow the direction. I need you to obey that command to go. Go into the ark, you and your whole family. And we see just four verses later in Genesis chapter 7, verse 5, and Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Can you imagine that? Twice in the story of Noah, that phrase is used, that Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Can you look back at your, just the last week? Can you say that? This last week, Ted did everything that the Lord commanded him. How about this morning? Can we just go back this morning? Noah was a very long time building that ark. And throughout the whole process, he did everything that the Lord commanded him. When God said go, Noah obeyed. Then we move to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was a man living in, in his time, pretty much probably just minding his own business. We don't know a whole lot about Abraham up until he comes right on the scene. And God speaks to Abraham and he says, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Got it? I want you to leave all that you're doing right here. I want you to leave the, 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 the house that you've built, the community that you're in, your father's household, all of your family. I want you to pack everything up and I want you to go somewhere. I'll let you know later. Can you imagine making that call to the U-Haul? Well, I'm going to need a truck. Well, when do you need it? I'm not sure. Well, how long do you need it? Well, I'm not sure. Well, where are you going? Well, I'm not sure. They're not going to loan you the U-Haul, and there's going to be, you know, government officials showing up on your door as to why you want this U-Haul and won't give any directions as to what you're going to do with it. But here's Abraham. And Abraham has been given the call to go to a land that I will show you. And Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, three verses later, it says, So Abraham left. So Abraham left because God said, I want you to go. I want you to leave the country, leave your family. I want you to go to a land that I will show you. So Abraham left, as the Lord told him. Joseph. Joseph was the spoiled brat favorite son of his father. He was sold into slavery by his brothers because they just couldn't take his annoying attitude anymore. Dad had gotten him this multicolored coat. He wore it, pranced it around in front of them. Dad loves me better than you. And they went, yeah, well, watch this. They ripped that coat off of him. They beat him, threw him into the well. Then they thought, you know, we probably shouldn't do that. 
They pulled him out and they sold him into slavery to a caravan that was passing by into Egypt. They went back and told their father that he had died. They got rid of him. Well, Joseph went on to live, sold into slavery. As he uh, came through, he was bought by uh, Potiphar. And uh, Potiphar was an, a government official uh, there. And uh, Potiphar's wife had a thing for Joseph and uh, actually accused him of rape. And Joseph fled, but they caught up with him, threw him in prison. He was forgotten about in prison for several years. And all of this, no fault of his own. All of this was under the direction of God, preparing him to become the most powerful man in Egypt. And that everything that happened to him, everything that God, God didn't necessarily say go, but God directed all of these things to happen. And throughout the whole process, Joseph stayed faithful to the Lord. Joseph knew that this must just be in God's plan. That God has something in store for him. And for years and years and years, he remained faithful. Well, the time comes when Joseph is promoted to the most powerful man in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. Pharaoh had given him power over his whole household, over the whole country. There was a famine in the land, and Joseph was put in charge of saving the people. Joseph's brothers heard about Egypt having uh, grain, having what was needed, and so they went and they begged that they could get some grain from him. They didn't recognize that it was his bro their brother. And Joseph went on, played around with them, read the story. It's hilarious, I think. Um, Joseph's still kind of that spoiled little brat um, with some of the tricks that he pulls on his brothers in the whole process. But there comes a time when when Joseph calls his brothers in Genesis chapter 45, and he says to his brothers, come close to me. And they were a little scared of this man, most powerful man in the world at this point. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. You see, God made me go. God sent me. God orchestrated. God directed every step of my life. Three times he tells his brothers, God sent me. I'm here because God sent me. Do you ever go to throughout your life, throughout your day, and, you, and, and stop and wonder, I'm here because God sent me? Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. But have you ever considered that you are there because God sent you? You're there for a purpose, for a reason. Joseph understood that. Moses understood that. Moses grew up the son of a Pharaoh many years after Joseph. And while his native brethren, the Hebrew, were slaves, he was being raised in Pharaoh's house. But there came a time in his life where he, he struggled between being a son of Pharaoh and being a Hebrew and watching the mistreatment of his fellow countrymen. <clears throat> and he rose up, and he killed one of them. He killed a, an Egyptian. And out of fear, he fled for his life. He fled for his life to the backside of the desert. 
And while there, he began to tend his father's sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. He was a shepherd watching out after his sheep. And one of the times when he was out with the sheep, the Lord appeared to him and said, Now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Can you imagine after 40 years in the desert watching sheep and God says, I want you to go back to Pharaoh, you know, the guy that hates you right now, to lead a people who don't even know who you are, to convince them that you're here to lead them out of slavery. I want you to go. So Moses goes from leading a few hundred sheep that weren't even his in the back desert of somewhere nowhere to leading one to two million people whom he hadn't seen in 40 years against the most powerful man in the world. Because God said, go. Exodus chapter 7, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. And Moses was 80 years old. And Aaron was 83 years old. And they were about to face off against the most powerful leader and army in the world. Why? Because God said, go. Joshua. Joshua was Moses' second in command. He followed Moses' orders. He did what he was told. But there came a time when Moses died. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, we see that Moses, my servant, is dead, God says. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to go. Get ready to cross the Jordan River to the land I am about to give to them. He says, Joshua, I need you to lead these people. Now you are the one in charge, and we're going to step into the promised land, and there's going to be battles, and there's going to be wars, and there's going to be bloodshed. And Joshua's thinking, what? You know, we've been roaming around for 40 years, and we haven't faced any of that. Now you're asking me to go to cross the River Jordan into a land that's going to be incredibly hostile with fortified cities? And you want me to go? Well, two chapters later, it says early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out. They went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. God said go, and Joshua said yes. We will do this because God is in it. God has called us. God has commanded us to go. Isaiah the prophet finds himself in a situation where King Uzziah is di has died. The king is dead, and this was a good king. There weren't always a lot of good kings, but this was a king who, who led the people after God. And Isaiah loved King Uzziah, but King Uzziah is dead, and, and Isaiah goes to the temple to try to find some sort of peace, some sort of comfort. And he has a vision of the Lord seated upon his throne high and exalted, where his robe filled the temple, and there were angels uh, ministering and, and flying around and worshiping God. And God says to him in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. And God said, Then go and tell these people. Go and tell these people who I am. You be my spokesman. You go in my place. You tell them the truth. Chapter 7, verse 3, just a few verses later, the next thing Isaiah does is go out and he confronts the evil king. The king who would replace Uzziah, 
And he confronts him with it. He's not walking to God. When God said, go, Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Jonah. I love the story of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, the Lord of, word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. He says, Jonah, I want you. I know that Nineveh is a foreign country, foreign land. I know it's an enemy uh, of Israel, an enemy of Judah. I want you to go and preach against it. Okay? I, I know that they hate you. I know that as soon as they figure out you're a Hebrew, you may very well die. I want you to go. And Jonah right away said, not on a chance. No way. In fact, he boarded a ship and headed in totally the different direction. But when God says go, he usually doesn't change his mind. And if you know the story of Jonah, Jonah was in the boat. The boat weather got a little rocky. They determined that uh, there was something not right on the boat. And Jonah said, it's me. I'm running away from God. And they said, you idiot. And Jonah said, throw me over. So they, all right, (laughs) up and over. And Jonah lands into the water in the rough seas. And what comes along to save him? Great big fish. A great big fish swallows him. And he spends three days in the belly of that fish. What was he thinking about? I think he was thinking, God told me to go. Maybe I ought to reconsider going. And he had some heart-to-hearts with God, I'm sure, over those three days in the belly of that great fish. And the, the, the Lord made the fish then spit him out onto dry land. Okay, that would have been a sight. Can you imagine if you were fishing off the shore? Ooh, here comes a big one. That would have been gross, really. But Jonah comes in all covered with whale, big, great fish slime. And God gives him a second chance. Because Jonah said no first, but God says, I want you to go. And in chapter 3, verse 3 of Jonah, we read that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. He preached and the Ninevites believed God. When God says go, he's not going to change his mind. The command is to go. And in the New Testament, we read where Jesus approached different individuals and he said, come. He didn't say go, but he said, come follow me. And 11 men took him up on that offer and they stayed true to that call. He called 12, but of course we know Judas betrayed and and went his own way. And so with the 11, they, they stayed true to that call to come follow him. But after three and a half years of following him, that initial call to come became a call to go. And Jesus hasn't called any of us to come, that he doesn't follow that with a call to go. Every one of us has been called to go. Matthew chapter 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said, therefore go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age even to the ends of the world, even for all times and all places, I will go with you. I'm not going to say go and not go with you. So our command this morning is to go. 
So the question still remains, where are you going? But you could say, but these examples aren't fair. They're, they're spiritual giants. I mean, you're talking Jonah, you're talking Isaiah, Abraham, Noah. Those guys were huge spiritually. Well, maybe. Because before they were giants, they were shepherds. They were priests fulfilling a duty. They were assistants. They were fearful excuse makers. They were fishermen. They were despised tax collectors. They were philosophers. They were just regular people. And the only reason we call them spiritual giants is because when God said go, they went. They're no different than you and I. So when God puts that call upon our life to go, we better go and obey everything that the Lord commanded us. The difference was their willingness to stay faithful. Even when it may seem as if God were silent, they were obedient to all that God commanded them. They continued to grow. And that continued growth required continued obedience. To continually go on with the purpose of God in mind. To live life every day with the fact that God is calling me. This day. God is constantly stretching us. And just remember, stretching is good. Because it leads to greater strength and greater ability. Providing you with opportunities and experience outside of your comfort zone, outside of your comfort range so that, that you can be stretched, so that you can continually grow, so that people will look back on you and say, that was a spiritual giant. And you go, no, just a regular guy, just a regular girl that said yes when God said go. You know what happens if we stay in one place too long? If we get, get one pattern to our life, one, one comfortable routine, we begin to form a rut. We begin to form a rut in our actions. We begin to form a rut in our, in our, in our thinking and, and in our lifestyle. And, and we just get comfortable in that rut. To the point to where staying in the rut seems better than maybe a new adventure. Staying in the rut's better than being stretched. Staying in the rut is comfortable. I, I don't want out. Keep me right here. This is good. This is a good place. But God says go. God never says stay. And it's in the rut where we're staying. And so God always says go more than he says stay. So I ask again, where are you going? I want to give you five places that's going to help you answer that question this morning. Where are you going? One, go in your family. Where are you going? You need to be going to your family. Men, this is especially for you. This is your first and foremost responsibility to go to your family. Men, you cannot abdicate your God-given responsibility for your children, you cannot abdicate that responsibility to your wife. Well, she raises them. She makes sure she takes care. She No. God told you to go. God says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, you are the head of the house. It is your responsibility. 
You cannot abdicate your responsibility to your wife, to the faithful workers of Wombaland, Upstreet, E56, TNL, SNL, and then when they get in college, go, what happened? You're what happened, or you're not what happened. Go is the command. Guys, it's time to man up, to lead your children, to lead your wife, to be intentional, to be influential, to be an inspiration to them. When, when the New Time magazine just came out with 100 most influential people in, in America, and I thought, I haven't had time to read it, but I flipped through it. Do you know who the first one I saw was? Jay-Z. Yeah, I'm like, are you kidding me? You know who the second one I saw was? Beyonce. The most influential people in America. Dads should be you. Should be you. You have been called, you have been commanded to go into your family. Go to your family. Go to your church. Go into your church. You've been commanded. Every believer, men and women and children, are called to serve. Every believer is called to serve. We are intentional about service around here. We're intentional about relationships and service. And that you need to have a ministry. You need to have a service, a a, a place where God has called you to go within the church body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Now to each one a spiritual gift is given for the common good. Each one of us is given an ability, is given a call to go and serve in some area. My question is, where's your area? Where are you serving? Because if you're just coming and sitting, you're in a rut. You're probably sitting in the same pew you always sit in too, or the same chair. That's how deep the rut is. You need to get out. Allow God to stretch you. Allow God to call you to say, go, serve. Every member ought to have a ministry. God didn't say, come and sit. God said, go and serve. Go to your family. Go into your church. Go into your workplace. Students, go into your school. For many this year, this is their ministry field. Your workplace is your ministry field. Your school is your ministry field. God has called you to that place. You are there for more than a paycheck. And if you're not there for more than a paycheck, you're in a rut. You're missing God's call. You're missing God's purpose in that place. We must go every day with the mindset that God has called me here. And like these men we've looked at have have mentioned this morning, we are there for God's purpose. So where are you going? When you walk into that workplace in the morning, are you seeking out God's call? Are you fulfilling God's call? Are you saying this is where God has me? Today, God and I will change this place. God says, go. And then go into your community, your family, your church, your workplace, your community. Let me, let me tell you this. We do not have a drug problem in Butler. I got the chuckle in the first service. 
We do not have an alcohol problem in Butler. We do not have a teen pregnancy problem in Butler. We do not have a broken home problem in Butler. Do you know what we have? We have a light problem in Butler. Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Go and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and that they will glorify your Father in heaven. If there is darkness in our community, it's because the light has stopped shining on it. Because darkness cannot dispel light. Darkness does not overtake light. Light overtakes darkness. And if there is a dark area, it's because the light has gone away. We don't have a drug problem. We don't have an alcohol problem. We don't have a pregnancy problem. We have a light problem. The church is not going into the community. That's not just Butler. That's everywhere. It's time we answered God's call to go and make a difference. Last one. Go into the world. And that brings us full circle back to our mission's emphasis. Go into your family. Go into your church. Go into your workplace. Go into the the community and go into the world. God has called each of us to go into the world. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I am convinced that every believer, every able-bodied believer should experience God on the mission field. Five mission trips I've been on. Highlight of 25 years of ministry are those trips. Because I'm convinced that God does things in your life on the mission field that he cannot or chooses not to do here in the rut. That there are things that we can only experience about God when we go. When we go into all the world. That God's going to bring things to our mind. He's going to teach us things. He's going to stretch us in ways we can't be stretched here. But we need to be stretched. We're going to learn things that we can't learn here, but we need to learn them. And so God's command is to go. And where God's command is given, His way is made available. There's always a way to go. Always a way to go. Throughout Scripture, God says go more than he says stay. So where are you going? I want to end this morning with a clip, a video clip of one who chose to go on this last missions trip. And uh, I'll let her tell you. Um, I did not decide to come to the DR. I had no um, plans to go on a mission trip, had no desire to go on a mission trip, was not looking for a vacation, uh, but I talked to Bob Thomas and he asked if I would pray for 24 hours for God to show me whether or not I was to come and I thought that was pretty funny and it was, I was laughing actually, I was praying um, and God understood that um, I 
didn't really expect an answer within 24 hours. And, uh, but I did pray that God would show me clearly in 24 hours if I was to go on a mission trip. And oddly enough, I was reading a book called The Just Church. Hadn't been able to pick it up for several weeks. Finally picked it up on that particular day and read the next chapter. And it, was, it said, everyone really needs to go on a short-term mission trip. And I laughed and called Bob back and told him. He said, okay, I'm signing you up. And that was the story. other people who are in the kingdom and worship with them to, um, to fellowship with them and to be in community with them. I, I think it's encouraging to them and it's encouraging to us. Throughout scripture, God says go more than he says wait. So where are you going? The next time your family gets together, the next time that you come to church, go. The next time you go to work, tomorrow morning, this afternoon, whenever it is, go. The next time that, that you hear of something in the community, a need, go. And the next time an offer is made to go on a missions trip next February, go. No excuses. No waiting, no reasons not to, because God said, go. 
Father, we ask this morning that you would give us the courage, that you would give us the the boldness to go. Father, help us to be intentional. Help us to be influential and inspirational in the communities where you are sending us, where we are going. Father, that we might look back and say we have done everything the Lord has commanded of us. Father, send us out. In Jesus' name, amen.